Welcome to Klima, the insights and thought leadership podcast brought to you by IGS. We are a Scottish-based technology company specialising in delivering platforms that create ideal climates for plants and people. Over the course of this series, we hope to share conversations with both old friends and new from across the world who share our passion for continuous innovation and a refusal to accept conventional technical thinking. So today I'm talking to Mark Haller, who's the founder and chairman of the UK Urban Agritech Collective, or UKUAT. Mark has been involved in the controlled environment agriculture sector for some years now, and we are delighted to have the chance to talk to him to see where he believes the sector is going and the opportunities and challenges it faces. Welcome to Klima, Mark. Uh, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, Mark, where in the world are you today? And I think most importantly, is the sun shining? <laughs> Actually, it is, amazingly enough, in, in the west of Scotland, in Paisley, just outside of Glasgow, the sun is actually shining for once. Excellent. Well, you and I aren't miles apart today then, um, but obviously speaking virtually, but the sun um, incredibly is shining outside my window in Edinburgh as well. Mark, we have a variety of listeners from all around the world, I, I'm happy to say, and some who may not be familiar with the UK UAT. So I, I wondered if you could share some background to the founding vision for this organisation. Sure, absolutely. Um, so... <sighs> I guess a few years ago now, I was working for an international association around the kind of urban agritech vertical farming space. And I felt like, as, as, as I still do, to be fair, those, are, those organizations are great and they, they do a great job of looking at the sort of overarching principles, but it felt like there needed to be something a bit more on the ground in terms of how these things are actually implemented. Um, and it kind of started with, with, I think, about five people on a phone call about three, three and a half years ago now. Um, and we just, initially, it was just sort of keeping each other informed about what was going on. Um, and then, you know, we started to share events and we started to talk about things we could do together and more people joined. And it sort of, you know, it just grew organically, for want of a better word. Um, and it became, you know, a bit of a sort of informal organization and we were sort of having fairly regular meetings. Um, and then, you know, early on this year, we decided to formalize it into a, into a full nonprofit company and to start really pursuing those ends more seriously. Um, but it was based around sort of familiar principles of kind of, you know, engaging with policy, with education, with, you know, research and expertise, with all of these things that are kind of, normal for a trade industry association to be doing and um, but just focused across the uk on a variety of actors in that space excellent well we are very proud to be as igs proud to be part of that how many members have you got now so we're somewhere around about 30 organizational members now which comprises companies like yourselves uh, universities and various others um, and then we've also got quite a wide selection now of sort of interested individuals who may be kind of academics, policy people, students, whoever they may be, which about doubles that number to sort of 60 or 70-ish. Excellent. Well that, well, that really, I guess, in itself shows how the sector is growing and where interest mm. is, is increasing. You, as you said, you've been involved in the, the sector for several years. How do you observe 
interest growing both within the sector itself, but also kind of broader consumer interest around urban agritech? Yeah, um, it is growing. It is. You know, there is a lot of, of interest. Certainly the sector itself is growing pretty fast now. Um, it was a bit kind of slow to get started in the UK for various reasons, mostly to do with us being sort of places where it tended to take off first were uh, necessity is the mother of invention, I suppose you'd say, you know, so places that had a lack of land available or that had some other particular driver. Um, you know, we live in a bit of a green and pleasant land here in theory here in the UK, so mm-hmm. a bit slower to kind of get going, but it is happening quite quick now. Um, you know, and there's a bunch of drivers for that around sort of, you know, around Brexit, around climate change, around food system resilience generally. So that's now happening quite quick. And I think from a consumer pers- perspective, there's the, the interest that keeps coming up again and again above all others is localism, hyperlocalism. Um, that's the one that really seems to be driving it for the consumer. They are interested in things like sustainability, resource use. All of these things are there and people are increasingly aware of them, but it's the hyperlocalism and the transparency and the knowing where your food came from that really drives people towards this kind of technology. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you were talking about the, the most prevalent or the, or the examples of urban agritech that are generating the greatest level of interest at the moment, what would you highlight those to be? Yeah, so... Obviously, you've got the kind of the, the vertical farming, which is the, the fully enclosed, the LED lights, you know, something very similar to, to what you folks are doing, obviously. And that's, that's kind of one type. And that tends to generate a lot of interest because it, it seems very, you know, it interests people. It is an interesting thing. It's this big box full of clever technology, you know, so that's a kind of interesting thing. And then at the other, the, the other sort of perhaps most popular one is the kind of, of the technology side of things is like the the rooftop greenhouse approach you know which is based around slightly different principles around sort of more around use of space and maybe not less about volume and more about the way you do the thing you know and i suppose that will differ the markets where those appeal will differ um maybe considerably depending on the the urban setting in which they are to be to be placed but yeah it, it definitely yeah. is a sector that has interest and um, you talked about some of the the drivers for for the growing interest but i suppose there are also challenges that the this sector faces as well as opportunities and i'd be keen if you could share a, a some of your insights into what you think the challenges and equally what you think the opportunities are for the urban agritech space. Sure, sure. So just to, to add to what I was saying before, I think I think you are right that it, it, it does depend, everything depends on context. And um, so, you know, whether that's kind of your geographical placement or whether that's, you know, what you're doing it for. So, you know, whether it's a commercial context or an educational one, a social value, you know, what what that is drives the way that your whole business will operate. Um, and that also then leads you into where the challenges are, because, you know, the questions, the big challenges essentially around any technology, and especially this one, are, you know, the kind of cost of starting up the high capex at the beginning, you know, the, the ongoing costs, the kind of opex, if you like, the, the operational expenditure, and then the kind of the the policy questions, you know, around sort of planning and subsidies and whatever else that may be. 
and how those interact with with your particular company or project will will depend upon that context upon what you're doing it for but they are pretty universal challenges um having said that you know we are starting to address those now you know we're working well with a number of people in this association and we're starting to make contacts with people so the opportunity is obviously that if we can address those challenges then you get this sort of you know explosion of of opportunity to really expand this industry out pretty quick yeah i suppose in that context i'm interested to know what what you think will drive it forward more quickly greater collaboration within the sector or greater competition or maybe maybe a bit of both but um yeah. i'm interested to know what you think and that it is it is a bit of both um that's that's the key to it so the way i usually phrase it is is you know in terms of the the, sort of the pie if you like so the job of competition is for each company to to battle it out over what proportion of the pie they get, how big their slice is, you know, what okay, yeah. they get, if you like. The job of an organisation like UK UAT is to make the whole pie bigger, you know, make the circumference of the pie bigger, so that everyone's relative share is bigger than it was before. And that's that's kind of the key to it, is it's the, the cooperation happens in this kind of pre-competitive space around all sorts of interesting areas like the ones that we're working on. Um, that allow everybody to move forward together onto the next issue or problem or challenge or opportunity and then you know to work from there but you get over these kind of basic ones because what happens otherwise is that you get you end up with a situation where people have to keep reinventing the wheel all the time you know and they have to keep the same challenges over and over again and that that slows everybody down you know because the, the whole sector can't move forward if everyone's having to keep doing the same iterative process from the very beginning so if yeah. you solve some of those then everybody can move on to the next level and they can still compete with each other on all the things that matter around sort of ip around price around whatever it may be around branding but they just do that with this this raised baseline from which to operate raised baseline and a and a bigger pie i like that idea yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's a very visual representation actually of it um it's uh, that's a that's a really nice way of putting it and um, on that theme of collaboration and particularly with the sort of discussion relating to urban agritech and the work that uk uat does do you think there needs to be more discussion and co-working or collaboration between urban and town planners and agritech innovators to be able to move sort of finding more solutions moving that forward more easily yes absolutely i think this is a really critical area and it's something that we are working on with uk uat and what you want to ultimately end up with is a kind of a kind of typology of of use classes if you like whereby what town planners want they want to just be able to look at something and say right i understand what that is i understand where it fits i understand what requirements it's going to have and i could therefore make a reasonable and reasoned decision about whether i'm going to agree for that thing to go there or conversely they can spot a space and say oh that has all these particular you know conditions and would be good to fit one of those in and that's really what you want so you know that sort of typology would be around whether whether it was a kind of rooftop farm or a new build or a retrofit or a facade or whatever it might be and then you do a bunch of work around that around what it's you know power requirements would be what 
what it would need to function and operate. Um, and you can therefore make, yeah, you know, informed decisions about how this works. And you end up with a smarter system where when either you as say, either you as a company go and talk to a town planner and say, right, we want to put a thing in and they go, okay, I understand that. That's fine. If you've met X, Y, Z requirements, you know, according to the planning policy, then you're good to go. Or if they, you know, if it's a city council or whatever, and they have a site and they want to do a thing, they can go, these are the conditions. This is where we look. We think that will fit well. We can approach those people and say, right. And similarly, developers can then do a similar sort of thing where if, if it's well understood, this relationship, if you've got a developer who wants to use some urban ag, say, in a building facade or integrated into a building that they're making, then they can quite easily go, right, we understand what we'll have to do to make that possible without an enormous amount of, you know, overcomplicated mucking about. Mm -hmm. That's, and I, I suppose in that context, I mean, you talked about developers and I, I suppose the, the technology, the sort of the agri-tech companies themselves, but um, I, I would guess that the one of the major off takers of of the produce being being produced um it would be retailers so in terms of that you know how do you see the role of the retailer in wider adoption of urban ag solutions yeah this is an interesting question so with the retailer i guess it's kind of a question of scale because there's you know there's kind of two and i i hesitate to break things up too much into sort of exit categories but if you sort of see two ways of doing like urban ag, you've got kind of small, small scale, hyper local, you know, whether it's farming or rooftop or whatever it might be, um, like right in the city centre, for example, maybe growing some microgreens and, you know, selling that to restaurants, say, or to a local shop or whatever it might be. And there's a kind of, there is a kind of retail angle for that, you know, whether it's selling direct to the consumer or via a third party. Um, and then at the other end of the scale, you've got these kind of, you know, really big uh, vertical farms that you would, you might expect to see, for example, if you had a distribution center out in the motorway corridor outside, just outside of a city, you know, the peri-urban space. Yeah. And you might site a kind of large scale vertical farm right next to a distributor or on a distribution site so that they can just go straight into the existing logistical machinery for the big retailers. Um, and I think that's that's the other kind of way you might do it. But I think either way, you know, the idea of retail is obviously delivering products to customer. And the goal of any any farming operation is to, to get product via someone uh, or some process to someone who consumes it. So in that sense, yeah, they they are they are the the aim of the game, you know. Yeah, no, that's really, it is really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm keen to know from a UK UAT perspective and a UK perspective, actually, mm. how we compare to other countries in our approach to adopting and, and take sort of and developing urban agritech approaches. So firstly, how we compare and then are there those that we could be learning from or that we are learning from, in mm. your opinion? Yeah, so there's, I guess there's kind of, again, two ends of a scale here. On the one end of the scale, you might see somewhere like, say, Singapore or, or even, you know, China, for example, where the drive is coming from kind of central government. Um, and that, that works very well in terms of them being very definite and saying, right, this is a thing we're going to do. And, you know, we're going to put money into it and we're going to make it work. And it does. It grows very quickly. 
the but then at the other end you know the the weakness of that if it has one is that it tends to be like any centralized system it tends to be a bit heavy on mandating exactly what happens and, and they therefore can become a bit inflexible at the other end of the scale you've got the kind of i suppose what you described as the us approach which is the kind of laissez-faire free market approach um which is very very good at being you know flexible and having this profusion of different people doing stuff but if it doesn't get any sort of support and just runs through the free market finds it quite difficult to compete with you know big existing interests and um, so i think really the challenge for us in the uk and i think we are starting to do this now is to figure out the the best of both worlds approach you know so how if we're going to put public money into this how can we make sure that that delivers the best results and also allows for flexibility and innovation and novelty and all those really important things that the free market's really really good at but also whilst supporting it adequately that you know they can get a get a foothold and you know we can start looking at how how we use this as part of a wider food system to achieve certain sort of societal goals if you like yeah. So it's trying to find that that sweet spot in between those two extremes, I think. Yes, yeah, a sort of mixed market uh, approach. Exactly. And, and I suppose depending on the, the, the way a country is governed, it, it can be more challenging um, in certain, mm. you know, certain countries compared to others. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one as well in terms of the education around urban agritech. And I mean education as in people just learning about what it actually is and what it can do, um, you know, at, at a sort of consumer level, but I suppose at a government level um, and, mm. and wider commercial level. But also, I think in terms of the education for people wanting to become involved in it as well. And I, I'm just interested, I know that's one of the areas that UK UAT looks at is the education mm. side of things. Um, and I, I just keen to get a bit more of your insight into that and what role you think education has in furthering the adoption of, of urban agritech. You could hardly think of a more important thing really. I mean if you start at the start at the bottom, you know, we, we want to be right down to the sort of lowest level of education, you know, primary and secondary. We want to be part of that thing that's that's ongoing around sort of encouraging STEM topic, you know, sciences and so on, technology, engineering. Um, I think that's that's incredibly important. Anyway, you also want to be able to, you know, the the wonder of this technology from an educational point of view at that level is that it allows, you know, kids to see that a technology leads to a food, you know, and to connect with food and to understand all of those things around where food comes from, what it does, how it works. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can engage with there. And you know, some of our some of our members obviously do engage with that and have been very successful and all around the world there are educational projects doing that sort of thing um you know green bronx machine in new york links leaps out as an amazing example of what you can do with that sort of thing yeah then moving up the scale obviously as you move beyond secondary you've got you know you kind of split into two routes then, which is um the kind of the vocational training or the kind of higher education route if you like um and both of those are important, you know, the, the vocational side of it, whether that's kind of apprenticeships or whatever, things like that, that for an industry that in, intends to expand over time, that's going to be tremendously important because we're going to need a workforce um, of trained people 
with demonstrable and certified skills that allow them to operate those facilities, you know, and, and to operate those technologies. So that's really important. Um, and then on the other side, obviously, the higher education side, that can be more, it can still be technical, but it's maybe more on an overview level, you know, more of a kind of management level or, or a, yeah, some sort of overarching view of, of how these things fit together. And also, I guess, you know, perhaps more around sort of developing new technologies or those kind of things, the more pure research side of it. And then obviously beyond that, you talked also about the education in the wider world around, you know, sort of educating consumers, retailers, policymakers, whoever it may be. And that's where it kind of crosses over with communications to a certain extent. But it is ultimately, you want people to know what this thing is you want them to know that it's that it's safe obviously your most basic level is to say this is a thing that's safe and i trust it and it's okay um, and then beyond that to see its benefits and to see what it can do as part of a sort of better food system and and how we can help essentially yeah and i think i mean absolutely in terms of our experience with uk uat that, that's certainly something that the collaboration aids is that continuing to demonstrate the benefits of the the sector and what it can bring not to, just to local communities i know you talked about hyper local but to to broader communities and and mm -hmm. um you know and, and that from a national agenda as well as a, a local agenda and, and i guess beyond that international too but yeah. it allows it does allow this focus on producing locally which you know, is, is definitely increasing in awareness and, and support. Um, mm -hmm. As part of that, though, um, and the UK UAT and, and another role that you're involved in, and I just wanted to touch on from a collaborative perspective, is that you're also part of the Farm Tech Society, which is based in mm -hmm. Belgium, I'm correct in saying, um, yeah. although everybody I realise is, is virtual at the moment. But um, <laughs> I just am interested, just to touch on that briefly, to know how an organisation like the Farm Tech Society is working with organisations and, and governments to move forward um, greater awareness around urban agritech, CEA, and sort of food production methods and approaches. It, it, just for you to give us a wee bit of background to that as well would be great. Sure, yeah. Um, so the Farm Tech Society, yeah, you're right, it is. It's based in Brussels nominally, although we also have people dotted about all over the place, you know, across Europe and across the US. I think, you know, any, any international association works on the overarching principles. Um, and the, the FarmTech site is no different in that respect. You know, they've identified these kind of three pillars of some of which we've sort of mentioned today of education, standardization and um, policy. And I think, yeah, so they have to kind of look at the the really big questions so when you look at for example just to give you an example with the standardization there they've put together a partnership with with global gap you know to really look at sort of like sustainability standards across across the industry or whether it's you know when you look at uh, education they've done a project with with um, erasmus plus around a sort of accreditation scheme you know so it's these really really big overarching principles and then what UK UAT or, or a more local or regional or national organization does is looks at how you put that work down on the ground so what we really want to do at the farm tax society is to create to create it as a kind of network of networks if you like um, 
these smaller regional networks do a lot of the work on the ground but then sort of feed up into this these wider processes so if if you know the farm tech society is for example looking at working responding to calls for for you know consultations from the eu for example they need to have input from each country about what specific context is there um, to be able to do that but then they can go and approach this big question and say right here's some feedback some consultation from the industry as a whole to that process and that becomes part of you know the the larger policy process in the eu or the us or wherever it may be so it kind of mirrors what we were talking about earlier around this kind of this place-based context thing but instead of you know individual cities or individual buildings even it's individual regions or countries you know but it's still the same principle that it varies the context varies according to where you are and you have to kind of feed that up into a wider process and, and ultimately at the top of that you know we'll set something like the farm tech society that, that aims to take on the really big questions the overarching principles and to engage with with the topics at a really high level and then for that to all feed back down again you know in a, in a sort of recurring iterative process to the regional associations that then say right okay that's a thing and how are we going to put that down on the ground and how does that look you know when we do it and you keep doing that backwards and forwards you know yeah it's all about making that pie bigger i think <laughs> well, it, is. it is yeah absolutely and you know that's the that is the key to it yeah, yeah, in a in a responsible, collaborative way, and it's really. I mean, I think certainly, and again, our participation in, in that as well from an IGS perspective is is a very interesting one, and, and you know, mm. one that we are looking to develop further. Um, yeah. No, I think I mean we've covered we have covered a, a lot of different areas. You 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 know you are steeped in knowledge and and thought in this sector, and it's it's really. Um, great to have been able to talk to you today so thank you so much for for taking the time and we will talk again very soon i am sure but hopefully you will agree at some point to come back and, and chat to us again for klima um, as we move through our our series yeah thanks for inviting me kate and thanks to to you and, and igs on behalf of both organizations for for being such a committed and active member and yeah thank you for having me along today and they're always happy to have a chat Excellent. Well, that makes two of us. So thanks very much indeed, Mark. We'll, we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, man. Thank you for listening to Klima, the insights and thought leadership podcast from IGS. If you would like to receive email notifications when we add new content to Klima, please go to www.igsklima.io to sign up. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do like or share and to find out more information about IGS, go to www.intelligentgrowthsolutions.com.